and welcome to the Shoot Hub podcast, the podcast for anyone with an interest in running a game shoot. My name's George Brown. I'm the editor at Guns on Pegs and Shoot Hub. I'm joined by Digby Taylor, who looks after the shoots and estates on the platform. Digby, how's things? How's the end of your season? Yeah, really good. Thanks, George. Um, I'm dying to hear how your, uh, I'm sure everybody's dying to hear how your day over New Year's was. Oh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun. The weather was pretty wild, uh, so um, we didn't shoot as many as we thought we might. But we had a really nice day, and the party afterwards was uh, hugely entertaining. How was your? You were shooting the day before New Year's Eve, weren't you? Yeah, I think we mu- we must have been in the eye of the storm whilst it uh, passed over Cornwall because the day before was, I mean, honestly horrendous. Forty mile an hour winds, heavy rain. The day after, forty mile an hour winds, heavy rain, but. We shot in um, sort of partly cloudy sky, pretty calm. Um, we got on all right. A really good fun day. Really fun day. Um, I think I had a. We I said I'd hope for a bag of twenty ish. I think we shot just reached double figures, um, which for us we're delighted with. But uh, yeah, really nice way to to finish the Christmas holidays. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Um, right. So Digby. Um... We've got a lot of new listeners joining all the time. Perhaps you can just give a quick overview of what the Shoot Hub podcast is all about. Yeah, of course. The Shoot Hub podcast is aimed at anyone who has an interest in running a shoot, whether that's a knockabout farm shoot, um, a DIY syndicate, a grand private estate, or a commercial operation. You could be the owner, a keeper, an underkeeper, a keen syndicate member, or just be interested in the behind the scenes action that goes into putting on a day's shooting. We're going to talk about some practical stuff and hopefully provide some helpful tips. Yeah, that's right. And so each episode, we have a special guest along, an expert in their field. Uh, This episode, Digby, I think definitely falls into the technical category. So I'm really pleased that we've got a a proper, proper expert with us. Um, Why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, you know, I love the technical stuff, George. So I'm really looking forward (laughs) to this one. And I'm absolutely delighted to introduce Michael Sherry of Temple Tax Chambers and particularly delighted we have a genuine expert with us today because I think us two would be completely lost without Michael's help. Michael is one of the UK's leading tax advisors and an expert in tax law. Tax is something that touches all shoots to a greater or lesser extent and today we're going to be asking about something of a hot topic in shooting circles at the moment given the rising costs, sporting clubs and when to charge VAT. What are sporting clubs? Who are they for? Are they legal? And how can they help you reduce your costs? Michael's going to help us navigate the tricky topic of tax, where it applies to shooting, and offer some hints to make sure that your shoot is following the rules and as tax efficient as it can be. Welcome to the Shoot Hub podcast, and thanks very much for joining us today, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Digby. We'll we'll definitely need your help, won't we, George? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Tax is is a a thorny topic, is it? So it's great to have a a real expert with us. Um, But before we get into the to the meat of the, the tax conversation um i think it'd be good to let the listeners get to know you a little bit so what we're going to do is start off with some quick fire either or type questions um and you just say the first thing uh that you think of so um digby and i'll just fire options at you basically um i'll go first uh so roast pheasant or venison casserole venison casserole slow gin or dams and vodka slow gin uh, Labradors or Spaniels? Labradors every time. Fishing or shooting? Uh, shooting, although I have to confess, because of arthritis in my right thumb, I, I've not been doing enough recently. Football or rugby? Rugby. Uh, England or Scotland? Of those two, it's got to be England. <laughs> Very okay. good. 
and finally uh, Range Rover or pickup truck tricky one uh, I, I think because of my advancing years it's probably going to be a Range Rover on this occasion a bit more comfortable are there any you feel a burning need to justify yourself there's usually a bit of uh, confrontation when it comes to the the England or Scotland one uh, well uh, I'm of my eight great grandparents seven were Irish so uh, I can almost look on an England Scotland match uh, <laughs> as a neutral fixture but uh, truth be told uh, my first wife was Scottish so having grown up in England I I I, I have to support England in yeah that very, I'm so pleased you said that <laughs> you must be enjoying the Six Nations this year as well I mean Ireland are doing doing fairly well I I, I yeah, I, I have an each-way bet on, on Ireland and England, really, but oh. uh, I, it is enjoyable to, to watch. The, there was a Sherry who, uh, who played for Ireland in the, in the 70s. I don't know whether anybody remembers that, but um, I, I was just old enough to see. A relative you was? Uh, uh, probably. Um, <laughs> Sherry's a bit of a, uh, an odd name in, in County Monaghan, it's it's not as common as Smith in England, but it's probably as common as something like Cartwright or something like that. Oh, it's yeah, not yeah. A, a rare name. Right. Very interesting. Um, so before we get into the sporting club side of things, um, I think we need to be clear that all shoots need to think about their tax, whether they're a shoot like mine at Digby's, small scale, you know, inviting friends and family, not selling any days or anything like that, right the way through to you know, big commercial operations. It's something that everybody who's got a shoot needs to think about. You, you do need to think about tax. So direct taxes, if you're um, carrying on a shoot on, on the estate, on the farm, uh, you're going to have costs which are directly attributable to the shoot. And broadly speaking, if you want to claim a tax deduction for those, then... Uh, the inspector of tax is going to w- want to see you bring in a notional receipt for the days that you're you're enjoying uh, as a, a benefit and taking from the business. So probably better to disallow the costs uh, that are directly attributable to the shoot if it's just uh, for your own enjoyment uh, and for your guests. Uh, if you're running it as a commercial venture, uh, then you'll be bringing in the receipts into your tax computation uh, and you'll be taking deduction for all your expenses. But then, of course, you'll be enjoying a few days yourself uh, and you need to to bring that in one way or the other, either a, a proportionate disallowance of expenditure or recognition of some notional income. And then, of course, there's VAT as well to, to think about. Before we move on to VAT, can I just clarify? So if, if the shoot is just for my enjoyment, so take um, – I – um, let's just say I um, own an estate in Gloucestershire, and um, I host. I, I wish, and I host um, forty days or twenty days a year, let's say, um, and twenty hundred bird days a year. And I invite my friends and family. Um, I no money exchanges hands, or, or they don't pay me for the the joy of coming to shoot with me. Um, am I not able to claim my vat on anything attributed to, to it if it's just for my enjoyment? <clears throat> Uh, if it's just for your enjoyment, then it's it's not a business and you shouldn't be claiming any uh, deductions, whether it's for income tax or for VAT. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, a private, private outing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> ser- seriously. 
uh, how many shoots abide by that rule, I don't know. But but uh, how many people get investigated by the revenue every year? Uh, and these questions get asked when they are investigated. So you know, and, and would they really go into that sort of detail if they were to investigate? Well, uh, Digby, the the problem is if they find anything untoward then they take up the drains and uh, and mm. you know the manhole covers come off and and they inspect everything and wherever they find something that's been going on for a number of years that that is wrong they give you grief now uh, uh you, you may say well the amount attributable to the costs involved it's trivial um yes i you know i've i've got a a worker on the estate who who spends uh, a morning a week uh, on the duties of keeping uh, and you know looking after the the birds that have been put down and keeping an eye on everything uh well you know that's that's um 10% of of that person's time uh it's it's really for your own benefit interesting uh and so you know should you be claiming a deduction for it no, you shouldn't. That uh, certainly changes things on my friend's shoot. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> your, your your friend. <laughs> what what happens when when at lunchtime you go down to to the local and and uh, get the plowman's? Uh, does that go through the farm accounts? I you know, it shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Interesting. And where and where does that um, doing it for your own enjoyment change? Okay, well, well, it it starts uh, if you're if you're taking money from um, complete strangers, mm. uh, you're you're obviously running a business, and that that applies for VAT, and it applies for for income tax. Uh, the, 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 there's a space in between that and and just you know shooting the birds that happen to be on your land, not incurring any costs, and 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 it's just just. Uh, personal rough shooting or whatever you like to call it um somewhere in between you might organize a syndicate uh where you're spending money um uh and you're spending enough money to want the people that you invite regularly onto your land for the shooting to contribute their share yeah uh, mm. and that's uh, friends operating something together that's not a business uh but if you get as far as uh, as you know if you think about golf clubs uh, where you you've clearly got a big enough organization to have a piece of land laid out and you employ people and and so on um for that purposes when you get onto that uh they are running a business uh even though it's a it's a members club uh because there's there's money in and money out and uh, the meaning of business, you might not be making any money, so you might not be trading, you might not be uh, uh, trading for income tax purposes, but you're still in business. But there's a difference between a syndicate and a um, and a the golf club model as such, because the the syndicate yeah, the syndicate. Absolutely. So if I was a landowner, and I think quite a lot of shoots operate in this model that I'm a, I'm the landowner in Gloucestershire, and I keep five days for my friends and family, uh, for my family rather, which are you know, I don't charge anything for, and then my friends contribute um, towards the other 15 days. You're, you're saying we're sort of running a, a syndicate together. Yeah, look, Lord Fisher ended up in front of the VAT tribunal shortly after the introduction of VAT 
on this very question. And he uh, invited uh, people he knew, people he'd been at school with, family, friends, tenants on his, his estate. And he all he asked was that they covered their share of the costs of, mm. of the days they came to. And the, the tribunal said this was uh, not carrying a business, even though he was taking in cash. Um, it, it wasn't a business. It was just sharing costs between mm. between them. But it was uh, essentially uh, a private personal event. You know, the, 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 there's a point at which um, it, you're simply having a family party. Huh. Uh, and at some point, uh, you pass through the goose club where you're just sharing costs and you become a business. Sorry, I was going to ask about syndicates who sell a couple of days. Yeah, well, those days are business days. That's that's the problem. Yeah. Now, uh, and the turnover that you take from strangers, uh, it's not it's not you know you've stepped outside this uh, this place where uh, you're just sharing your expenses of having a good time. If you're uh, advertising on on uh, guns on pegs that you've got days uh, for people to come along and book and and you're going to charge them x pounds this is this has changed the whole nature of of the outing mm. uh, and you're in business uh, where where does that stand in terms of um so on the one hand you know advertising on facebook or going through a sporting agent or guns on pegs where they're complete strangers where does where's the line there because a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend you know um I guess there's no certainty on that. There's no certainty on that, and it, it depends on on the scale of it and the circumstances of of how they've come into the group, uh, and questions like that. Mm. So, if the estate owner is saying to the members of of the private syndicate, "Look, I've got days left over. I want to sell them. Uh, do you know anybody who'll take them?" Then that's business. Yeah. Um, if if on the other hand, uh, people are saying, "Look, I've got a mate who who wants to come along. Uh, he's not shot before. He wants to try it out. Do you mind if I bring him along next week? Have you got an extra peg, uh, that, or, or a vacant peg that we can put him on? Then you're still on the the informal non-business side. And does size come into it at all? Uh, mm, it will do, not necessarily because there's there's any size which dictates that it, it, it has to be a business, but simply because once you get beyond a certain size, y- you will of necessity lose that family party experience and you must oh, yeah. be involving strangers yeah. and, uh, and you must be, be, be selling the days. You then come into an argument about just how popular you are, Digby. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm just going going down the lines of. How many friends do I really have? Uh, <laughs> Not eight, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I I have a, a large family. My uh, um, Irish grandparents uh, had forty two grandchildren, of which I'm one. So you could um, run them. Um, it's a big shoot. I, I, we could run a quite a big shoot on that and keep it in the family. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but I think this brings up quite an, a, an important point, which is um, when it comes to uh, bigger, more formal, more commercial shoots, if you want to use that term, why is it that some shoots charge VAT and some don't? 
Right. So first, uh, if the shoot is being run separately from the state, uh, first question, is the turnover of the VAT threshold 80-odd thousand? Let's assume it is. Uh, next question, uh, are they? Uh, is the shoot being operated um, uh, as uh, a syndicate, as we've discussed? Uh, if it's a big commercial one, then almost certainly not. Uh, so next question, well, what about the golf club? Because uh, if you play golf you uh, with a private member's club, you'll know that you get your annual sub and there's no VAT on it. Uh, so how does that come about? And and that comes about because there's an, a VAT exemption for uh, sporting activities so long as they're carried on by what's called an eligible body essentially a not-for-profit. So uh, you might have what you would think is a commercial estate, commercial operation, uh, a big operation, uh, but uh, like a big golf club, it could be run as a not-for-profit and satisfy the VAT criteria to be what's called an eligible body. Mm. And and the, uh, the big things to me, Remain, remember about a, a, an eligible body is uh, criteria number one, it's not for profit. Criteria number two, uh, any surpluses it makes are not distributed to the members but are uh, applied towards its sporting activities or are handed over to another not for profit body uh, of a similar character uh, or, or go to charity. Uh, and then criteria number three, which is the important one, or, or, or those first two, you can organise and you can you can sort out, you can understand them very easily. Mm. But the but the third one is that that it mustn't be under uh, what's called commercial influence. So there have been a number of VAT cases where, uh, when the sporting exemption came in. Uh, proprietors and particularly of golf clubs and gyms and so on thought oh this is dead easy what we'll do is we'll set up a members club which will rent um our golf course or our our gym from us and we'll charge them whatever we feel like (laughs) and uh, this is a good wheeze isn't it to get exemption from that (laughs) Uh, and uh, uh, all the cases of that nature which have gone before uh, the vat tribunal uh, have all failed for the taxpayer uh, because they've been subject to commercial influence. That sa- that sounds like quite a lot of shoots that I've heard of. Um, how can a big commercial shoot? I expect some of the listeners know the sort of ones we're talking about. How can a big commercial shoot run as a sporting club at all? Well, the, this commercial influence thing. So firstly, you set up a not-for-profit entity, uh, and, and that's relatively straightforward. Uh, but the the cases where where taxpayers have lost to the revenue have been cases where there's been such an entity, but there's been a mechanism for the landowner uh, to extract any profit, and, and and that's either been through some variable rent or a royalty or or, or or some kind of turnover levy. So if you've got somebody who who's uh, operating a big shoot on uh, as a tenant, funnily enough, it, it's easier uh, because they're not the landowner. 
they can pay commercial amounts uh, for the shooting uh, leases they've got. That's okay. And uh, they can be properly paid for running the club that's carrying out the shooting uh, on the land, land that they're, they're involved with. Um, so that, that works quite well. So as, as a shooting tenant, you, you take a wage essentially um, from the sporting club that's not making uh, not yeah, not got commercial but, interest, not making a profit. But but there is one catch: uh, you can't take a turnover or profit related wage. Right, so it has to be a flat uh, so, thing decided in advance rather yeah, than after it, the fact. Well, you, you might get a bonus, but it can't be you know a percentage of turnover or a percentage okay, of profit. Yeah. Um, you know, if if the club committee decide that we've had a good year and you deserve a bonus of X thousand pounds, okay. Um, but but what you can't do is say, well, uh, there's money in the bank. I think I'll just take that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, can I just go back a couple of steps though? Um, governments aren't often keen to give money away or to say, no, don't worry about that tax. <laughs> so. What's the? There must be some reason that the government has decided to give this exemption to sporting clubs. What's the, what's the politics behind it? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, okay, so um, the the first thing to recognise is that that all the exemptions in the VAT code uh, were dictated. Uh, oh, I say dictated. That's wrong. Wrong phrase. But come from our time as part of the European Union. Uh, and it, it's that's where VAT comes from. Uh, we had a hand in agreeing the various different stages of the development of VAT after we joined, and the what was called the Sixth Directive, 1977, included a mandatory provision for the exemption of sporting activities uh, and uh, uh, shooting counts, uh, and that mandatory exemption. Uh, was designed f- to promote social and health and and all the rest of it. Uh, so, yeah, hence the golf club. You may recall, if you're old enough, that during the 1990s there was a big government push to promote golf as a game for everybody. And mm-hmm. as a result, in in the first uh, decade of this century, uh, we had a massive oversupply of golf clubs and lots of them going bust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the you know the sporting exemption is part of the social um, uh, and uh, that kind of side of of the EU's project, and it's also the same for the government um, here and remains the same. So you don't really want to charge VAT on the activities down at the uh, the leisure centre, you know, swimming, uh, playing badminton anything like that. You yeah. don't want to charge VAT um, on, uh, on the golf club and so on. Mm. Yeah, so the government the government wants people to be out doing stuff and socialise and doing sport and all that stuff. So they don't want to yeah. disincentivize people by making it more expensive by charging. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And it's across, it's across the board. And it might be thought that, well um, – uh, shooting, maybe even golf, is a bit elitist. People, you know, the people who are participating in those sports are spending a lot of money. They they can get by without a tax subsidy. But the truth is, and this is particularly true of shooting, 
sporting activity puts money into the economy and it tends to take it out of urban areas and put it into the countryside. Mm. Now, golf tends to be on the fringes of urban areas. Uh, shooting tends to be deep in the countryside and, and it's part of uh, all, all those things that the Countryside Alliance is trying to bring to the recognition of people in towns and cities. You know, it's all very well saying we, we think England's green and pleasant land is wonderful, but if there's nobody looking after it, uh, it soon starts to fall apart. And the places where shooting takes place are very often uh, the bits of the rural economy, which are really poor. And so it's very important uh, for them that something like shooting carries on. And there's also, you know, there's all sorts of, of other side effects, as, as you know, uh, conservation and uh, uh, maintaining a shoot generally involves looking after the land in a way which is uh, compatible and uh, with the environment generally. Yeah, really interesting. It's something I've heard a few people saying actually is that that some people feel like shoot should be paying VAT because it's the right thing to do. And I suppose what you said is there's a, there's a reason the government has these exemptions and there's genuinely good reasons for not paying VAT. I, I particularly liked your reason of bringing money back into the rural economy. And um, I guess this year in particular, given how much shoots are struggling um, or, or, or shoots may be struggling due to rising costs, I can see why guns may not be wanting to participate as much. And so the government can think, well, it's actually a really good thing that uh, you know not having to pay VAT as part of a sporting club is. And and it's important to, to hang on to this not-for-profit element, Digby. Mm. So, you know, if somebody goes out there to make money, and that's what the commercial influence thing I, I was talking about is all about, then uh, they should not qualify for the, the VAT exemption. But if they're out there on a not-for-profit basis and, and carrying on sporting activity, well, that's to everybody's benefit. Yeah, and... and um... Yeah, uh, encouraging participation in the sport, really, isn't it? Um, and participation yeah, in the countryside. Uh, and to the extent it, it, it might be characterised as a government subsidy, it, it, it's not going to a profitable business. It's going to a business that, that is not making a profit. Uh, and so that's that's the big issue. Now, it might be the landowners taking out a commercial rent. Fair enough. It's their land. Um but the 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 shooting club, if it's if it's run properly in accordance with the rules, uh, it, it is breaking even. So, uh, if it's saving that, and and shooting is a peculiar activity if you think about it, because uh, the inputs into the business tend not to have VAT charged on them. So the feed for birds, if you if you're putting the birds down, if you're putting birds down, the birds themselves uh, are, are free of VAT. And of course, if you're paying wages directly, uh, then there's no VAT on on the wages. Uh, yeah, you've got to cope with the PAYE and so on, but but there's no VAT. Uh, so that then means that the VAT on the uh, if you're charging per day per 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 peg, uh, the fees for shooting are are subject to VAT. And there's no deduction for the inputs, so it's a big hit. It's it's probably not quite the full twenty percent rate of VAT, but it might be eighteen or nineteen percent. Yeah, I was going to ask. Did you come onto the um, 
the VAT saving, who does this VAT saving actually go to? <laughs> As well, that, a, if you're a sporting club, where does that, um, you said 18, 19%, where does that go? Yeah. Okay. Well, you, if you've set up a sporting club, it needs to be run. So there's going to be some ongoing expenditure in doing that uh, year in, year out, because it's not something that happens for nothing if you're doing it properly. Uh, and and you've got to be ready because there is a a loss of money to the exchequer. You've got to ready be ready for and expect at some point uh, that revenue and customs are going to come along and and look at you uh, because you're not charging VAT and and they can they can find you not charging VAT as easily as anybody else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, they don't, they don't have to come and visit you. You know the the trail is dead easy. They can see you selling days uh, on the web uh, and they can see you, uh, what's going through your VAT registered uh, accounts. Um, from their computer, you know, from, from their database. It's it's dead easy. Okay, so I guess uh, there's a bit of room for that 18 19% to go towards the shoot itself to help it break even or to get a, um, a better wage for the, uh, the, the manager. But the rest of it can go towards helping the guns have better value shooting. Yeah. So if, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, hey, this sounds exactly right for, for me, how does one go about turning your existing commercial operation into a not-for-profit sporting club is it something that anyone can do like is it complicated okay well if you do it for yourself uh there are certain risks involved because you you have this commercial influence problem uh you have to set up an entity that's not for profit and it is an eligible body so if it does make any surpluses they've got to be effectively put back into the enterprise or, or, or given away. And uh, you can't have a commercial influence, so you can't pay anybody connected with the landlord uh, anything other than market rates for goods or services supplied. And you can't have the landlord as an officer of the eligible body of the club. Hmm. And you can't have uh, anybody being an officer or employee of the club who is paid uh, a turnover or profit-related percentage. Uh, so so those are the – and I'm simplifying it here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you guys will, 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 right. will understand <laughs> it's tax. It's, it's not as simple as, uh, 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 as this. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, so you've got all those difficulties. Now, um, I have to declare an interest at this point because of uh, of some years ago, I was uh, with a, a chartered accountant who said to me, why is it I pay uh, no VAT on my golf sub, which I, I got the demand for this morning, but I've just booked uh, three days shooting next month and uh, I've got to pay VAT on it. And I said, well, your golf club is, is a member's club and uh, you're paying somebody else who's not a club at all for your shooting. So how, how can it work? Uh, and um, the challenge I was given by this chartered accountant was, well, well, how, how can you organize it? And the eventual outcome of that was uh, the genesis of Sports Mutual, which is a, a club uh, set up 
to operate and design to operate across a, a number of uh, shoots where the landowner says, well, it's fine. I'm very happy to receive a rent. So long as I can check that the shoot is being run properly on my land and can keep an eye on it, I'm happy to take a step back and let uh, people who are employed within Sports Mutual on my land, keepers, uh, shoot manager, host, whoever it is, and I can turn up and, and chat to the guns and I can so on, that's fine, it's, so long as I'm at, at arm's length financially. Uh, and that's what Sports Mutual does. Now, you you can set up your own club on your own land. Usually, if, you, if you're going to do it properly, there'll be a big upfront cost from the professional advisors. Thereafter, you have to run it yourself. But you can see if if Revenue and Customs come along and look at that, they're going to say, well, you set the club up. How is it that you're not influencing what it does? Uh, and they're going to be worried about the arm's length mm-hmm. nature of the relationship. Whereas if you just let your, your, your land to Sports Mutual and they've got the infrastructure and, and the accounting and, and uh, uh, so on, even if there's a transfer of going concern in the sense that your keepers get get taken on by uh, Sports Mutual's local company and, and uh, things like that. So it's still run in the same way, but financially it's at arm's length. As a landowner, I think I would, I would still be concerned about giving up control if I were to join Sports Mutual because Sports Mutual sounds like they have the um, the say or the final say or the um, as a landowner you're giving up your your powers of control to Sports Mutual. Does Sports Mutual run the well, shoot or yeah, or even as yeah. a shoot manager, well, right? The the shoot manager will run the shoot, uh, but they'll be uh, financially. Uh, at the expense of Sports Mutual. So the money will go into Sports Mutual, the money will go out of Sports Mutual. And and you, the landowner, will be taking your rent. You'll actually be in, uh, ideally, a a better position because you know that that you've got a a, a clear profit uh, from from the operation of the shoot if all goes well. And uh, there's a lot of detail, but you can put into your shooting at leases, uh, provisions which enable you to say, well, you know, I don't want, I want to have a power of veto on uh, people who come onto my land because that guy next door uh, who I have been conducting an internecine warfare with for the last 50 years <laughs> is not coming onto my estate. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you know, you, you could do that sort of thing. And, and the guy who's the shoot manager uh, can be the person who's been running the shoot for you before. Might be your head keeper, uh, who, who's the appropriate person. You know, depending upon the size of your operations so, and, so, and yes. how it works. So that's the situation if if it's a landowner who's currently running yeah. the shoot, right, and, and has got a gamekeeper who, who they who runs yeah. it for them. What if I'm a tenant on somebody else's land, but I run the shoot commercially? So I'm just leasing sporting rights from a yeah. landowner. Um. Does it work in broadly the same way? Uh, it, it does. Uh, it, 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 in, in a funny sort of way, it's easier because you now uh, work for the Sports Mutual uh, subsidiary that's operating at your location. You run it and you take a proper uh, income from that. 
it, the, the fact that it can't pay you a percentage of turnover doesn't mean it can't pay you properly. It can pay you properly. It pays uh, you uh, a salary, uh, effectively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, Don't forget uh, the bonus, uh, George. <laughs> well, you know, the, there can be a discretionary element. There's no problem with that. It, it's like any commercial operation. In that sense, you know, if, if, you've, if you've got a golf club, you know, the secretary of the golf club is, is called the secretary, but actually runs the club, uh, and they get paid properly. And it, it, there's no reason why it, it can't work that way with shooting as well. So that's the the tenant. Um, I want to go back to the landowner for a second and say um, the scenario you painted the picture of was I'm a landowner and I've got a keeper or a shoot manager who runs the shoot on my behalf. Um, what if you're a landowner who wants to be heavily involved um, and d- d- has a shoot manager but or has a keeper but really wants to call the shots? Um, okay. Is that a possibility? Uh, so so the thing we've got to avoid is is and it's a catch-all, there's lots of detailed rules around it, it's the commercial influence. So it's the money relationship you have to be at arm's length on. If you want to to be involved in taking decisions about uh, you know, how your land should be managed by a shoot, well, that's a legitimate interest of a landowner, and you mm. can be involved in that. Uh, as, as every reason why you should be. Um, if at the end of, uh, of a shooting lease you're taking the land back in hand and uh, it's your shoot. You've got to protect the goodwill of, of the location uh, and that's perfectly proper. Uh, but what you can't do is, is do it in such a way that, that you're, you're taking funds out of the club. Um, you've got to take your rent, which is, is a market rent. Yeah. It can be a proper rent, you know, and, and, and that can be okay, but that's it. And then, um, if you want to be involved, you can help out in whatever way you like, and and you your voice will be listened to because uh, if Sports Mutual's involved in this, I mean, I, this isn't my side of Sports Mutual. I give them the tax advice, but but I'd be astonished if they they didn't want your input because it's valuable uh, for them. <laughs> they, they want they uh, and among other among other things, if they don't keep the landowner happy then the lease is not going to be renewed. Uh, so so it's important that the landowner has as much input into how the shoot is run uh, as keeps the landowner happy, uh, so long as commercially they're at arm's length. So long as they're not making any money from it. That's really interesting. And how do... Um, and Apart from the rent they're paying on, on yeah. an arm's length basis. That's, that's the crucial thing. And how does um, capital ex- or, or, or um, improvement of your estate count when it comes to commercial interest so again let's say i'm a landowner and george is my um my shoot manager and um i'm taking a rent from george so so this is this is exactly the same you have you have to you have to be at arm's length uh so if george was was uh going to have a a one-year shooting lease he's not going to spend money at arm's length on improving your estate Mm. Because he's he's never going to get it back. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but if he's got an arrangement with you which says, well, uh, you know, we've got a five year lease here, and if if George uh, wants to uh, do some modest improvements, which might also benefit you uh, at the end of the five year lease, 
well, uh, uh, he might expect a reduction in rent. To reflect that, he might expect it to be treated as tenants' improvements so that if he leaves after five years, uh, he, he, you have to compensate him for the the balance of the improvement of the value of the estate, just ordinary landlord and tenant stuff. Uh, so so those those are not difficult questions um, uh, so long as everybody behaves in a good commercial So, so long as way. George and I are good friends. Sounds like it'd be great. Can I um can I appoint a or can I uh, have my shoot manager being my um I don't know my wife or my son or something like that um someone who I uh, or, or does it have to be it, it it can't be a relative of the landowner but it so could be a good it, friend it could be uh, uh, yes and and what tends to happen is that uh, depending on the size of the operation. Uh, you might have a, a, a keeper who's who's full time. Uh, you have uh, uh, a landowner who helps out on the days without taking a fee for that. Mm. Uh, you have a, a, a director uh, of of the the sports mutual subsidiary running your the shoot on your land, who is supplied by sports mutual, who's probably a former land agent or or somebody who's who's run shoots themselves in the past has got a good knowledge of the of the industry generally uh, and you might like to suggest somebody with local knowledge whom you trust um so that might be uh your uh accountant or it might be uh, a solicitor you use in, in, in estate transactions or somebody you know uh, and that might be a person who's used to shooting on the, on your land. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so so somebody who is acceptable to Sports Mutual as being you know somebody sensible and, and useful. And depending upon the size of the operation, you might have a full time manager as well as four or five keepers, or you might have a, a keeper uh, if it's a smaller operation who, who's the only full time person or not even full time. Um, uh, you know, they they spend fifty percent of their time on on the shoot, and uh, that's what they're paid for by the shoot. And um, how does so that that's really helpful on how sports mutual works? How does that differ from if I were to set up on my own? Right. Well, if you set up a club for yourself, those would still be the criteria you would have to adhere to. But it's quite difficult if you set up the club. You've got to find people to come in and run it for you whilst they maintain their arm's length distance from you, uh, which tends to mean if you've got any dealings, financial dealings between you and the club, you'd have to have valuation uh, evidence if you were ever challenged, which can be a bit of a bore. Uh, so what tends to happen is if, if people are turned over by the revenue in the sense that they get inspected, uh, then there's probably going to be some settling up and some horse trading mm. Uh, unless you've got the evidence to substantiate that you've not been taking profit out of the club. And, I mean, you mentioned investigations. I mean, uh, I guess the the question that will be on many people's minds is, well, how likely is that? What is the probability of getting caught up in an investigation? And uh, George, as Jeremy Clarkson very helpfully put it on his show, if my friend were to be caught, uh, <laughs> how, what would uh, happen? What would happen to my friend? Right, well... Um, uh, to put this in perspective, uh, uh, most shoots are not investigated by the revenue year in, year out. 
but uh, you would expect to have a revenue investigation of some sort, certainly what they call an inquiry, uh, into your income tax or, or corporation tax returns, depending on how you're organized, um, at least once during your working life, if not twice. Mm. Uh, on the VAT side, depends a bit on your turnover, how much turnover there is. And, you know, if, if you've been turning over three or 400,000 pounds uh, per annum or more, and then suddenly your VAT returns drop to nil or, or drop by that order of magnitude, maybe the rest of the estate still has quite a lot of turnover, but you've got a drop of that magnitude, then that's the kind of thing which might cause the revenue to come and have a look. doesn't necessarily do so, but in, it increases the odds. Um, what, what tends to get people into trouble is if uh, the revenue do what they call, and on the VAT side, what they call a trade classification exercise. Um, and what this means is that they come and look at all uh, the Chinese takeaways in Durham, mm. <laughs> <laughs> or they come and look at oh, wow. uh, yeah. all, all the driving schools in Derby, <laughs> or they come and look at all the shoots in North Yorkshire. Um, uh, and uh, when that happens, uh, that everybody gets gets turned over and. Uh, unless they've been looked at before and, and they had a clean bill of health, uh, in which case they're probably left alone uh, because these exercises are designed to raise money. And so why look at a place you already know is, is, is not going to give you any money? You go out and look at all the other ones. <laughs> uh, and the longer you go without being investigated, the higher the odds it's going to happen. <laughs> If you've set it up by yourself, presumably that means you then have to deal with that investigation yourself. But um, I think it might be the same question that you were going to ask, Digby. So if Sports Mutual is involved, do they handle all that HMRC stuff? They've got all the paperwork and they can. you don't have to worry about that? As a Absolutely. So uh, what HMRC would, would normally be looking to do when they come across a shoot which has got a, a sporting club operating on it is they're looking to establish whether or not the sporting club has got it is under the commercial influence of the landowner or, or, or somebody else uh, in the operation. Now that they spent five years looking at Sports Mutual and, and satisfied themselves that no tax adjustments were required. Um, so you know that's been done. But if they come to you and there's just you and the club that you're dealing with, even if you set it up as punctiliously as, as it's possible to do, uh, there's always going to be the temptation to cut corners at a practical level, which might leave unanswered questions, even if you're completely innocent, because you're lacking that distance of, of having a club which operates a number of shoots with completely different landowners. Yes. That's the point I think I'd been missing up until right now, which is that Sports Mutual is one club with many venues, right? Is yes. That... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Probably a bit slow uh, um... to take until the 50th minute of the podcast to work out, but I've got there in the end. <laughs> well, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> oh, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been deep. There's been every, every time you said something, Michael, I've had about three or four other questions to ask off the back of it. 
Um, but it's been yeah. really interesting. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I and I do carry on talking. I'm afraid uh, it, it's a bit sad, isn't it? That tax can be so interesting that I just want to talk about it. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you're here to talk about it. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think it, you make a very valid point, Diggers, that there's been a lot to take in. Uh, so I wonder if we can ask Michael just to summarize. So it, it, can I can I have a go at... Oh, go on then, Diggers. At, yeah, you um, try. Can I have a go at at least bringing up the, the things that I would like to summarize? And George, you can add any that you might like to summarize. So I think there are three, if you're above the VAT threshold, there yeah. are three options for you to, um, how you're going to set up your shoot. You can, uh, as a sporting club, there's the syndicate method that has to yeah. have some... Uh, there's a syndicate method, there's the... Um, doing it yourself with an accountant and they're just asking sports mutual to do it for you um is yeah. that right could you explain could you just summarize for us the things we some of the stuff yeah. we talked so, about over so, those three so, things. so the syndicate we talked about the uh, and, and the vat case that uh, lord fisher won it, it is you know it's just a private syndicate so we're not talking about a commercially organized big operation mm. uh that this is a landowner inviting his his contacts uh, to come and share with him uh, the pleasure of shooting on his land and contributing towards the cost, yeah. their fair share, uh, nothing more than that. Um, and, and beyond that, uh, if you don't want to pay VAT or you don't want your guns to be paying VAT to, to view it correctly, uh, you can set up a sporting club on your own land, but it's much more difficult than it is if you ask Sports Mutual to take uh, a sporting lease uh, and uh, operate your shoot on friendly but commercially arm's length terms. And um, I think something you said, you just reminded me of something you said earlier, which is that um, the members of the syndicate are liable um, if something should go wrong. Is that, um, you said that about the syndicate, or they're all in it together with the syndicate? Yeah, with the syndicate, uh, um, you know, there's no there's no legal structure. Um, and is that the same with the uh, sporting club? So with the sporting club, the the vulnerability from a tax point of view is is that the landlord might be seen as exerting commercial influence over the sporting club, and therefore he gets stuck with the VAT that should have been paid during the life of the sporting club. Uh, on the basis that it's it, it's not really an eligible body at all because it's under commercial influence. Whereas with Sports Mutual, the fact that it is independent and operates in all sorts of diff different places m removes that risk. Interesting. And um, I think I've heard of a couple of shoots who are um, asked their guns to sign their uh, or become a member. So as well as paying their day rate, um, you know, for a 200 bird day, they also ask for a joining fee. Um, is yeah. that their attempt to be a syndicate or is it their attempt to be a, or, is, or are they set up as a sporting club? Well, difficult to know, but uh, without looking under the bonnet, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I would guess that's their effort to be a sporting club uh, because if they were a, a private syndicate, they wouldn't be charging a membership fee. Uh, yes, of course. Lord, Lord, Lord Fisher wouldn't say to to the tenant of Home Farm, <laughs> "Come, come on my shoot." Oh, by the way, here's a a fee yes. for membership of the shoot. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, and so as a as a gun then if I become a member of the sporting club does that effectively you know sign that form pay my membership fee does that yeah. mean that I am part of the club and therefore liable if it goes awry in some way? Uh possibly it depends what how the club's set up if the club uh, so for example Sports Mutual itself is a limited company but is limited by guarantee it has bylaws, uh, so it has a few members, but it has bylaws which allow um, it to grant uh, shooting membership, which is is not a full membership of the club um, under the I bylaws. See, yeah. And uh, so, so other, you know, single estate clubs could possibly be doing that. In which case, you don't become a member of of the club itself. You're, you're just a a day member, as it were, a bit like paying green fees at a golf club. Um, mm. uh, but even if you are a full member, um, because Sports Mutual is is a company limited by guarantee, uh, your liability is limited to to one pound. Um, whether all all the other uh, estate uh, dedicated clubs are as well set up as that, I don't know. Mm. Very interesting. Okay, it's very interesting. So I suppose that the sensible last question then is if somebody's been listening to all of this and they think sports mutual sounds like the thing for me, uh, what do they do next? Or can I can I change that question a little bit and add on to it or help? I'm doing something wrong here. Um, my syndicate isn't actually a syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Yeah, and and, uh, and it's a personal question. No, no, that honestly, that, that wasn't a personal question. I'm just asking for, uh, for friends. Uh, well, uh, you can get in touch with with Sports Mutual. You could um, uh, ask them to to uh, let put you in touch with uh, one of the landowners who's where they're operating, so that they can talk to. To people who are already getting the benefit of sports mutual, um, the person you mentioned, Digby, could could perhaps talk to their accountant and say, "Am I completely in the clear here?" Uh, sometimes people don't like to tell their accountant that, that exactly what they're doing because their accountants tend to tell them that they they've got to make a clean breast of it and and do the right thing. Mm. Uh, but one way of putting the past behind you. Uh, and it is always a good idea uh, to clean up your act if, if you actually get as far as uh, waking up in the middle of the night and having difficulty getting back to sleep. Uh, one way to clean up is to have a new start um, and to to look at the future. And then it's less likely that, that uh, anybody will come back and dig over the past. Uh, carrying on doing something you know isn't quite right is a bad idea. And how far can they go back, in theory? Okay, well, uh, they can go back for for VAT for four years uh, without any reason at all. They can just say, I want to look at uh, uh, that back here. Uh, they can go back six years if you've been careless, if they can establish you've been careless in the way in which you've you've complied with your obligations. And if they think you've been uh, deliberately filing incorrect returns, they can go back 20 years. Um, and, of course, uh, there's not just the tax and the interest. 
if if you've been deliberately falsifying things or even if you've been careless there are penalties as well very interesting food for thought so how does somebody get hold of sports mutual uh you have a look on the web uh you you type in the word sports mutual and up it comes (laughs) (laughs) bingo and i'll tell you what i will do that immediately after this recording and when the podcast go live goes live i will put a link in the uh podcast show notes so that's nice and easy for people to get to that that would be very helpful Good, right. Gosh, that was an awful lot to take in. Um, good news is we've recorded it so people can go back and listen. <laughs> uh, well, I say that. I haven't made sure that it all recorded, but hopefully it has done. Um, Michael, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, it was really, really interesting and um, I'm sure has given a lot of people a lot to think about. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Really, really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Right, that's it. Uh, Please do get in touch and let us know what you thought or let us know if you've got any questions and we can forward them on to Michael. You can email us at pod at gunsonpegs.com. We'll be back again very soon with another episode of the Shoot Hub podcast. But until then, do please also um, continue sending in your beating noises. We didn't think it was quite appropriate for this episode, but we will continue to play them out. Please do also uh, leave a review for the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Give it a rating, leave some comments. All these things really help us to reach more people and grow the audience. Uh, As I say, we'll be back very soon with another special guest and another episode. Uh, But until then, stay safe out there and thanks for listening. (music) 